Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Like you hit somebody on the butt right now. You're not giving them Corona through their butt. This is the Press Box. Shove it in. With Grady and Bischoff. Set up with a bottle of ranch dressing and he just starts screaming, get it all over my face. On ESPN Las Vegas. I have no idea what that was about. I'm not taking responsibility. It's been 1100.9 FM. Ed, Tyler, and Jared on a Monday. There's no reason to start except for this. The First Bite. No, it was great. You know, uh, not many people know. You know, I come to the game four hours early. Every I get up my own bus, come four hours early. I sat for two hours and watch you guys talk on Twitter on me. You know, to get me motivated. And uh, um, you know, it was great. You know, just see all what you guys had to say. And um, you know, I don't care what people think. It's been a weird, kind of a weird season with concussion and my surgery and stuff like that, but. You know, I've been battling hard lately to, you know, just be a good teammate and being as good as possible. And, uh, you know, I don't really, it's a great motivation for me. Uh, I don't do the flashiest saves and all those things, but, uh, you know, before this season, ever since I got out of rehab and even before that in Buffalo, I've been putting up some pretty good numbers and uh, people act like, yeah, people act like what they that, that I'm not very good, especially in our own town. But uh, you know, I had love from the team, my teammates, and uh, my coaches, and me and Flower has gotten really close this year. You know, supporting each other, and we don't care about the noise. So it's just great motivation for me. Uh, it was very enjoyable on Twitter today, and uh, thank you guys very much for giving me that me that motivation. So two things. This guy gets his own bus. Yeah, what is happening with the bus? I guess he gets his own bus. Very large. And that's true. <laughs> and talking about Robin Leonard, two things stood out, which is weird. He gets his own bus. And this guy's very honest about injuries. So we need him talking about injuries all the time. Yes. Because when you talk to Pete DeBoer, you don't hear anything about injuries. I think Robin Leonard should just be given the mic every day, even if he's not playing. <laughs> and we can go down the players who are supposedly hurt, and he can just tell us what's wrong with them. Chandler Stevens, concussion. Max Pacioretty, on the horizon. So this guy, upper body. So <laughs> last year, Pete DeBoer used the phrase outside noise like 37 times when talking to the media in reference to the Alan Walsh tweet about Flurry and DeBoer. And hell, yesterday we heard Alex Tuck say outside noise again. Like the instruction from the organization when there's any question about tweets or fan response or media response is to call it outside noise. Except for Robin Leonard, who's like, yeah, I got there two hours early to just read it all so I could be motivated. I love this guy. Once you throw in, yeah, when I got out of rehab and started to play well, I don't know if you guys saw that. I don't think you give a bleep. Like, like, yeah, no, I'm going to say whatever I want. I'm glad he does. I mean, you know, he's, he's the only one who really gives you much of anything on that team in terms of, like, uh, well, the truth. 
<laughs> Let's start with that. Um, but yeah, kind of hard on the sleeve guy. Always been that way. I mean, we know through his uh, speaking on mental health and the battles he's had. I mean, he's very open about everything. So it didn't surprise me last night. He's He almost surprises me when he doesn't say anything. I just love the image of him sitting in a dark locker room on his phone, just scrolling through fan replies that he is going to start the game. I just love that thought process. Like four hours before the game replies. It's phenomenal. He's just refreshing Sinbin. Well, that's, I think people, there's, look, it was a lot of fans, obviously, when it was announced yesterday morning. uh, Here we go. He's the first off the ice. Uh, He's, uh, He's going to start, um, and people started reporting that, that, you know, sources said that he was going to start, even though Pete DeBoer said, I'm not answering that. Uh, so when he said you guys, I thought, wait a second. Like, you know, I, I saw, you know, look, every media had their opinion about it, and some stronger than others in terms of if he should start or not. But I sort of laughed because it's like, you also have to meet in the fans, right? Because the threads were endless from fans yes. on disagreeing that he should start over uh, over Flurry. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, you're talking about everyone here. You have to be because it was just amazingly the fans jumped on the side of how can you do this? Surely the fans said flower, though, in their response. Well, I don't know if they said it or they put the little pink flower emoji. Well, you guys <laughs> saw the, the guys in the crowd. That had the sign that said, bring yes. back flower, yeah, and fans. they all were wearing flower yeah. petals around yeah. their head. That's really going who to an extreme. Who those people? Who, who went out in, in Montreal and bought flower petals? Right. <laughs> How did they find those? <laughs> did they make them themselves? Did they buy construction He is, he is from Quebec. Maybe they just have those in store. Well, <laughs> I, look, when I was in Ottawa, when they hired Pete DeBoer, I told you, I walked in a sporting goods store to store with Dave Shane and just, I think Justin Emerson to buy gloves because, I don't know, it was 100 below. And the first thing we see is a life-size uh, picture of Mark Stone. I'm like, that guy's not on this team anymore. And the girl goes, yeah, but he's still the most popular player i go you guys stink i go you got this life-size paper this guy's not even on the team so yeah i guess in montreal and quebec they might have petals in the store in case flower comes home i don't know we have talked about it a lot how much this fan base loves mark andre Fleury, but it still blows me away oh that the amount of love there is for Fleury turns into like hatred for the backup goalie it happened to malcolm suban And it's happening to Robin Leonard. Now, the distinction between those two is that Malcolm Subban, in his entire NHL career, it's been fairly short, but he's been a below-average goalie in his entire NHL. Mostly kind of been a backup. Yeah, been a mostly backup, but his his numbers, he's a below-average NHL goalie. Robin Leonard has been phenomenal. The last three regular seasons of the 76 goalies that have played at least 1,500 minutes, he is number three in goal saved above average and number four in save percentage. Over the last three years, this guy is a top five goalie. Even this year where he didn't play a whole lot short in season, he had a concussion, was out for a long time, he was still top 15. Like, like Robin Leonard having a bad year was still top 15, and he, like he's phenomenal. So when Pete DeBoer makes the decision, like it's a gutsy decision because of how good Flurry has been this year, right? But it's, it's a not, gutsy decision also because you're in the middle of a playoff right. round. I mean, but it's not like they were going to a guy whose save percentage right. is 895 and is below average. Right. They're going to a guy who's been one of the five best in the sport for the last three years. Yeah, I I think two things. Well, you hit it on the head with the one thing. The the infatuation and love fest for Flurry in this town is 
it's great for fans if you feel that way, but it, it, it borders heavily on really bizarre and weird. They cut out flower petals and bore yes. him to a game I mean, that he wasn't playing him. And I think a lot of it had to do, unfairly or fair or not, whatever one you say is, a lot of those threads had to do with the last time they saw Leonard, which is where he gave yes. up seven against Colorado. So it's like, oh my God, if you know he does that again, going to go down 3-1. Had he... You know, beating Colorado or if it's just two one and they went to flurry. I don't know if the kind of the bitterness or anger would have been so strong, but I think, you know, giving up seven, that's all they remembered. They didn't remember what you were saying, that he's been really, really good. And I I'll I'll say this. The stats you just gave out to the normal fan, I think they'd be shocked. Like I don't think people would have realized he's been that good. Mostly because yeah. he's splitting time with the other guys. So you don't really pay attention with how many they went out. He also missed time again this year. So you don't really have in your mind like how good he's been. You just gave us the reasons why. So I think there was a lot of reasons for the just anger and bitterness and just it was on Twitter yesterday. I mean, my wife knows. I mean, she's a fan of the of the Knights, but knows nothing about any of this. And she, and my daughter, are scrolling through and they're like, man. I mean, they were shocked just at the overwhelming negative response about this guy, and they don't pay attention at all. And they they read this stuff and were like feeling sorry for him. Like how how can they be this way about this guy? Like I I get the love for Flurry, right? Like Absolutely. that happens sure. across sports. Flurry is a yeah. lovable guy, yeah. and especially this year, well, especially here, he's been unbelievable yeah. this season as an actual like actually on the ice. Anything yeah. off the ice, he's been actually unbelievable on the ice. I get the love for Flurry. I don't quite get how it always manifests into hating when the backup goalie yeah. plays. Because again, it has it wasn't just Leonard. It was when Subban was here too. Like every time Subban played in the game, I was like, now we should play Flurry all 82 because Subban can't stand to play I've one game. I've never seen the hate in my life for Max Legacy. <laughs> that his name? Legacy Legacy? <laughs> then then I did on the one time when I think Flurry was on you know a hospital bed and they had to skate him out there in New York. Like, what's this guy doing out there? Like, you know, anyone who, you know, dare man the crease other than Flurry, people just go crazy about. (laughs) So let me ask you this on the actual decision by Pete DeBoer. Do you believe him when he said last night that Marc-Andre Fleury's turnover at the end of regulation in game three that led to the game tying goal for the Canadians? Do you believe him when he says that had nothing to do with why Robin Lehner started game four? No. I don't know if it's the main idea. Look, I, I do think this. He should have the last say as the coach. And if he doesn't have the last say, then something very wrong. My guess is he talked to McCrimmon. He talked to McPhee. He talked to his staff. You have to. You have to have everyone's opinion. Like, all right, we're going to make this switch. He has to have the final opinion. So if you're telling me that was brought up in the room, absolutely. I think it was brought up in the room. And they probably correlated to that as, okay, if he, is he making these mistakes because he's tired? Is he making these mistakes because he's worn down? And if that's the case, you should move on from him. But – I don't believe for a second that wasn't brought up. I don't know if that's in his mind, the final determination of making the switch. It probably had something to do with it. But I think a lot of stuff went into that decision. And I do think when he makes the poke check mistake and definitely the one, obviously, you know, trying to clear the puck, that was was a terrible mistake. That has to factor in. I don't know if it was number one, but it was in there. It had to. Yeah, there's there's two plays in this postseason run where Flurry is kind of stuck out as like, oh, what the hell happened there? The giveaway at the end of game three against Montreal, but also against Colorado when under two seconds to go, he just he just missed catching a puck and it, it went in the net. Yeah. Just a puck flipped on net from like the blue line, basically. I remember and, that, yeah. yeah. And he just missed it and it went in the net. And there's, so there's been a couple of plays in this postseason run where you're like, 
that strange. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, what was like, that? He's been pretty much phenomenal outside yeah. of a couple of plays, but those couple of plays have been so bad, you kind of step back and say, hold on, what was that? So if you're making the decision and you're like, all right, who's most likely to just give up a ridiculously bad goal At and, this be, point. and be the reason you lose like they did in game three? And it's probably Flurry, even though it's they seem like freak accidents or freak experiences. It still happened twice in a relatively short time frame here in the playoffs. So I think that probably did go into this. Yeah. Like, was it the number one reason? No. DeBoer went all into, hey, it's been 17 games in 34 days Which or whatever it, it is. And Flurry's 36 and right. he's not 26 like Vasilevsky is yeah. or whatever. So, like, I, I think it, a lot of it did have to do with, hey, Flurry may be getting tired. But like you said, did he make that mistake at the end of game three because he's tired, right? If Flurry never makes that mistake, they win game three, two to one. Flurry's starting game four. Sure. They, they're not changing yeah. him because, uh-oh, no. now he's tired. Flurry's starting yeah. game four. So I don't believe him when he says that. I think he can talk his way around. Well, it's more about him being tired, but it absolutely had a lot to do with yeah, that play. Yeah, because you don't want to. I mean, as and, and that's fine. This is what they do as much as they protect their guys. You don't want to put out there that his mistakes that led to a loss is the reason he's sitting. So what do you have? You have the the reasoning that he's tired and he's played, like you said, 30, 17 games and 30-odd 30 30 days. But, of course, it had something to do with it. Again, like it had to – and by the way, it had to have something to do with it. That's not a shot on DeBoer. You have to think he's making mistakes at really critical times that maybe he wouldn't have in the past. So he's doing these things that you have to consider a change, and they made the change. I mean, I, you know, I don't – I didn't. I mean, I didn't have a problem with the change, um, and he. I, I didn't know he'd play that well, though. I, I, I yeah, you know, he, he hadn't phenomenal. played in a long time. So to say he was going to play, he was going to be their best player. He's the reason they won. I don't know if I'd have believed that. No. Like going into the game, how much credit should we give Pete DeBoer? Because this is not the first time he's made a decision that is like, oh, that's a like he'll make he'll make lineup changes and goalie changes even after they win games. He'll take out guys where it's like, oh, I didn't think you'd take that guy out after right. he played well. Like, how much credit do we give him for constantly doing this? Where he sits down, and the easy thing to do would be to play Stay Flurry the until yeah. they lose. Like, yeah. that's the least criticized or least way to get criticized is to just play Flurry because he's been so good. This was the like invited maximum criticism. They lose that game last night because Leonard lets in two soft goals or something. DeBoer's getting torched. He's getting torched. Right? So, like, how much credit do we give him for constantly making a decision that is easy to criticize but is obviously what DeBoer thinks is the best chance, gives them the I best mean, chance to win? I, You know, look, I, I give him credit for standing behind what he said after the game last night is I only have responsibility to the people in the room, which is true. He shouldn't have responsibility to media or fans. He shouldn't even care outside what noise. people think. Yeah, he shouldn't care. With it. As much as the outside noise cliche is funny, he shouldn't listen to it, and he shouldn't have he sh- his decision-making should have anything to do with that. You know, I think, look, this sounds simple, but I think he gets credit when they win and it works, right? I mean, it, you know, it, it worked last night, so I think you give him credit. He made this, he made the call, and the guy stepped up, stood on his head, and he was their best player. Like you said, if they lose 5-2 to two last night, you know, every question in, in, in the postgame is, why did you do that? How could you do that? Why didn't you start the other guy? So, but, but that's every coach. I don't think that's just Pete DeBoer. When their decisions work out and they succeed, then everyone's like, hey, what a great job. And then if they don't, hey, you're a bum. You know, there's there's no there's no in between when it comes to coaching making critical decisions at the most critical times. And last night was the most critical time. You're down two one. Uh, if you go down three one, I mean, obviously they could come back. They're good, but it makes it so much harder. So I'll give him credit today. Everything he did worked out. Speaking of bums, 
Ben Simmons yeah. coming up next. A rich bum. Ben Simmons can be an all-star, but that's all he can be until he learns how to shoot. My second best player can't shoot. I can't go to him with the game on the line. I, I don't even have him in the game. He didn't want to throw the kid on the bus. It doesn't matter. You can't have a guy on the court who's afraid to shoot the basketball. Booker into the front court over on the right side. Booker, a three-pointer on the way. Suzanne! Booker. Now Trey out there dribbling in the middle. Fires a long three. Bang! Trey Young! He just hit the big three and the Hawks lead by six. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Oh boy, Ben Simmons. What a great tanking process from the 76ers. Do you, do you remember is how this process still yeah, going on? It is. Well, remember, remember they ejected from it early <laughs> yes. and brought in Colangelo. So now they got to restart it. This is supposed to be the good part of the process. The 76ers over the course of three seasons went 47 and 199. They tanked. I And I love tanking. I am fully supportive of tanking. But the problem is, is that they didn't end up with very many good players. Like they tanked really hard, but they walked away with Ben Simmons, who is like useless as a best player or even second best player. Because as you heard Charles Barkley say, he can't shoot and hell he took, what was it? Four shots in the fourth quarter of this entire series, like all seven fourth quarters. He took a total of four shots. He didn't, we're not even talking about making shots now. We're talking about taking them. And he didn't had the ball, a chance to dunk it, and he passed well, it to Matthias Thibault. The most alarming thing was he would he would give up what essentially should be easy shots because I think he was scared. Oh my God, don't foul me! I might go to the free throw line. I mean, I, I don't know. He, he was giving up thirty-seven yeah. percent in this postseason. He was giving up attempts. He's like, no, just dunk the ball. I mean, it was borderline strange, yeah. actually. Did anyone else see the thing on Twitter that was uh, even Cole Beasley thinks Ben Simmons should get some shots? <laughs> <laughs> like the 76ers were so bad for so long to get to build a good team. That's why you tank is to have a team that can win a title. They got the one seed in the East this year. Joel Embiid was awesome this year. And then they lost in the second round of the five seed. As a one seed, they had an 18 point lead in one game, lost the game. They had a 26 point lead in another, lost it in this series. Even in game seven, game seven, Trey Young was five of 23. Yeah, it's terrible. And the Hawks beat the Sixers anyways. Five of 23 from the good player on that team. Now, no. Kevin Huerter had a great performance. Say, don't you downgrade Kevin Huerter. Great performance. <laughs> <laughs> but when Trey Young goes 5 of 23 and you still everyone would say Trey Young was better than Ben Simmons, like that's a massive problem. That is a massive problem for the 76ers. And at this point, they're not winning with this team. Like I'm amazed Giannis is in the Eastern Conference Finals a little bit. Ben Simmons is just a worse version of Giannis, one that doesn't shoot in the fourth Oh, quarter. much worse. Much worse version. Yeah. Um, Henry Ruggs is fast. Marcus Mariota is big. And the Sixers have lost all leverage on trading away Ben Simmons because he's <laughs> owed $140 million. I mean, in a weird sort of way, good for Ben Simmons. He's absolutely horrible right now, but he's saying, 
I'm I'm 100. They owe me 140 million dollars. I had a max contract. Like so, what, what do I care? It's like Dame Limmer, Dame Lillard uh, was taking a bunch of heat on Twitter at one point, and he said uh, he said that's good. I, I'm still owed 242 million. To have a nice life. It's like, <laughs> it's like you mean, I mean, it's it, the money on these guys are absolutely preposterous. But um, yeah, he just like I said, the, the things that shocked me were he was so afraid of shooting free throws. He was he had lost so much of his confidence. That he would pass up on what essentially right. should have been very easy. That's at that level with the egos of those guys, and they have huge egos, mostly because you know they're great players, best players in the world. That's staggering when someone like that starts passing things up like that. It's like, boy, the, he has no confidence. It is the one thing you actually expect to get out of Ben Simmons on the offensive end is hey, you're open under the rim. Hey, you can get to the rim. Lay yeah. it in or dunk, yeah, or dunk it. it. Do one of the two. That's the one thing you'd expect to get out of him on the offensive end. And when he doesn't even take that shot, it's it's a terrible sign. And it has to, if you're the 76ers, you have to undergo pretty extensive roster changes here. Because even, like, Embiid is great. Can you win a title with Joel Embiid as your best player? Like, well, we're not in the age of big guys win titles. I think you can if your second best player is not the guy who's their second best player. Right. I mean, if you go get a much better second best player, you might be able to. Um, I... I don't know what you can do with him. I don't know who's trading for that contract at this point. If you watch that series, who's trading for him? Um, the Thunder will take it for their next four first-round picks. <laughs> well, they only have sixty-six. That's of how those. you tank. That's how you tank. Um, you give up all those know. picks. That I don't you know made. if what the Thunder are doing is technically tanking anymore. I think they are just trying to have an entire draft where they have all sixty picks. I think that's what they're going for here. <laughs> what if? Um, what if in the lottery there was only Thunder cards? <laughs> with the seventh pick, and he opens the envelope, the Thunder. With the sixth pick, and he opens the envelope, and they're the o- only cards we see are the Thunder, and he's the only one on the stage. Yeah. I, I'm ready for the Thunder to have all the picks in the draft, and they just kind of have it in Sam Presti's living room. Yeah. Where he's just like... With, he's with he's with his dog like Belichick was, and the dogs are sitting at the table, and they're just picking guys. and they, oh. Because they're the only ones with picks the entire first round. He gets he's, he just goes, I... I I faxed in my picks yesterday. Yeah, exactly. What are you why do we, we even do this? I already told you who I was picking. Why do I have to sit here and like actually say the names? Now, I will say this. I am all in on the Hawks getting to the NBA Finals. Oh, I, I think am, that would be I very cool. I am here cool. for Trey Young, yes. even though he went 5 of 23 yes. last night. I yeah. am here for Trey Young, yeah. all of his shooting, all of his trash talking and celebrating. I'm even here yes. for the foul hunting where he's trying to run himself into yeah. people to draw fouls. I'm here for it. I'm I'm ready to watch the Hawks in the finals. I have zero, zero uh, feelings against Giannis and the Bucks. I, I have no problem with them. I don't, you know. I think I, I I like watching Middleton play. I think they have some cool players, but I am completely all in on Trey Young getting the finals. How can't you be? First of all, I mean, again, they've done a great job. A lot of stuff has had to happen for them to get there. I mean, you can make the argument. I don't know when the next time, if ever, Trey Young, if he stays in the scene, would be in an NBA Finals. Right. I mean, who knows? They're the fifth seed this year. A lot of weird stuff had to happen. So I totally want that guy to get to an NBA Finals. I don't know if he can. But I mean, who knows? I mean, who, who thought they'd get this far? So not having anything against the Bucs, I'll be huge fans of the Hawks getting there. Yeah. I mean, it's a bizarre season. And, yeah. and this Hawks team, even though they've now won two playoffs, yeah, series, that's, nobody's going to be looking at them saying, no. oh, yeah, they can win the title. Yeah, they're not year. like Phoenix or some of these teams like, oh, they're getting better and better. And I could see, you know, the way Booker's playing and, you know, they've got all these young players that they might be kind of a quote unquote team of the future. I don't 
think that of the Hawks, so I want them to get there now. Now, when Kevin Werder goes for 30 yes. points in every single game of the Eastern Conference Finals, we're going to have to change our minds here and be like, oh, <laughs> who's stopping Trey Boy, Young and Kevin Werder? Who's a better Who's a better second guy? Put Her- Herder with uh, Joel, M- Joel Embiid, and all Uh-oh. of a sudden the Sixers are really Uh-oh. good. All right, <laughs> coming up next, we will talk to Charles McDonald. Make sure... You stay tuned throughout the show. We're going to have tickets to go see Brad Paisley. Also tickets to go see Jason Aldean a little bit later. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from For the Win is Charles McDonald. Charles, how are you this morning? Hi, Charles. I'm doing good. Uh, pretty fun weekend of sports, so I'm, I'm cruising as we uh, kind of get closer to NFL training camp. Well, okay, hold on. Before we get in the NFL, I do need to ask you, can this Atlanta Hawks team actually win an NBA title this year? Uh, I don't know, but I feel like if there was as any weird, like any year that that could possibly happen, this is it. Like, I don't know like, what team I would pick to win the championship, maybe the Suns at this point, but it's possible. They've gotten this far on uh, some lucky stuff, so I don't see why that can't continue. Wait, does lucky stuff include Ben Simmons not shooting a layup? Uh, yeah, and, you know, playing two game sevens on the road. That's a little lucky, but you're here, and it's, it's been a fun ride. I mean, I fully enjoyed the Trey Young villain experience. Jared, give us the best tweet about Cole Beasley. Oh, it's from David Gardner. It is literally even even Cole Beasley once Ben Simmons to attempt some shot. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. That was, that was a good one. Uh, Charles, what do you think about Cole Beasley? Start, had a little stirrup last week. Oh, man. Uh, you know what? I, I, I am glad that at the end of the day, uh, he could at least be honest with us and just come out and say, yeah, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Because I, I, I am someone who wants everyone to get vaccinated. I'm tired of, you know, going to wear masks everywhere. And it would be nice if we could just get that done so we can kind of keep this thing moving forward. But, like, the people who people like Montez Sweat, Cole Beasley, Esther, Sam Darnold, where you're like, Oh, you know, I need more information. Uh, all right. Like, it's been months, though. Like, and you have access <laughs> to, like, the smartest medical people in the field. Like, if you want the information, you can just call someone with the Panthers or the football team or the Bills, and they can have someone break it down to you in about five or ten minutes why you should or should not get the shot or just the information so you can make your own decision. But to me, at this point, when it's been available for months at a time, and you're saying, oh, I'm still trying to get some more info, that doesn't mean you're not going to take it. And I would just respect you more if you just came out and said, yeah, I'm going to go through this unvaccinated and whatever consequences have with that. But just stop with this charade that you're still trying to figure out what's actually in this thing because we know. And like the fact that the Washington football team, <laughs> the funny part about that was they asked Montez Sweat, were you a fan of them? Just not, not of the vaccine. Just them bringing vaccine experts to talk to guys, <laughs> and then he said, "No, I'm not a fan. I actually need more information. The information's right there, bro. Like if you're in DC, you can get all the medical experts you want. So just say you're not going to take it, and I can respect that at least. I'm still going to make fun of you, though. So <laughs> how? All right. How many players that are not vaccinated now are going to change their mind based on the NFL's difference in protocols between vaccinated and unvaccinated? Because like, I imagine you get into a season, you go on the road, and vaccinated players are allowed to go eat together. They're allowed to leave the hotel room. Unvaccinated players aren't. I imagine that's going to get pretty tiring pretty quickly for guys that are not vaccinated. 
Uh, yeah, I've I've talked to a few guys, uh, just like off the record, like that were on the fence about it. And once they saw those guidelines, they were like, "Oh nope, I got to get this <laughs> shot in me so I can go be a normal person again." And I I just think like if you look at the the guidelines, like why would you not get vaccinated? Because it, it honestly seems stricter than it was last year. Uh, but you, the fact that you can't really go anywhere if you get in trouble. Now you're talking about fifty thousand dollars fines. You could get caught doing something as an unvaccinated person. Like it's just going to get costly to the point that I think a lot of guys, especially guys who don't make as much money, would be like, you know what? Let me go get this shot. Not because I believe that it's going to save me or protect me or save other people, but because it's going to take a chunk of change in my pocket if I just live how I want to live without it. Well, and like the Raiders here in Vegas, when the whole thing was, do you show up to OTAs and? You know, some did, some didn't, but their their message to, at least to reporters, were, well, we convinced everyone because it was a competitive advantage not to. I mean, I, I, this is, look, this is different getting a vaccine comparative to are you going to show up to a mini camp, but the inherent pressure within a locker room at the NFL level, is it strong enough, or is this just a situation is this is not OTAs? Um, I don't know. I mean... It's just kind of different for every person, I feel like. Uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> like at, at, at some point, you can't just, like, tell people what to do, but you can enforce some behavior that you want by putting it in guidelines. But, uh, you know, I, I actually forgot the first part of the question. What was that again? Well, it's it, it's just inherently, you know, the, the situation was, hey, this is going to be a competitive disadvantage uh, for us if you don't. And I wondered what you thought about NFL oh, right, locker rooms right, right. compared to others. Are there more pressure in an NFL locker room, or is it just like any other locker room where it's like, well, you know what, this is a little different than me just showing up to work out? I think there's going to be pressure when guys start actually missing games for this. Because, like, the Packers, they, at last time I checked, as of last week, like, they had – four defensive players on the COVID list, which is kind of crazy when you're talking about, like, you know, in this country specifically, we have access to so many vaccines. But, you know, especially, like, I think you make a good point. In a sport like football where, like, if Sam Darnold gets sick for the Panthers and he's not vaccinated, like, you're without your starting quarterback for two weeks, potentially, uh, or without him for a game. And, when you're working with such a sample, a small sample size, like even 17 games, if you're missing a starting quarterback for one of them, like that can be a huge deal at the end of the day with how the standings uh, roll out at the end of the season. So uh, it, it's just, I, I do think the accountability thing is going to play up, but not quite yet. Like when there are real deal consequences, when, you know, like I said, when Sam Darnold or if Josh Allen is missing a game or something like that, then it's going to be like, come on, man, like just get pricked so we can get, through the season, then we don't have to worry about this anymore. We have not talked to you since Julio Jones was traded. Uh, how much are the oh, Falcons going to miss him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still wounded about the trade. Uh, you know, it's funny because I was about to record a podcast with uh, my buddy Nina Kimes, and I'm sitting down at my computer about to record, and <laughs> like literally five minutes before we hit record, the Shannon Sharp call comes. Uh, I was like, damn, like it's over. It's over. And I was actually I was on vacation in uh Puthacana and I was watching Julio highlights on the beach. I was like, Wow, <laughs> done. they're about to they're about to trade my guy. Uh and they and they did it. And you know what? I will say this. I'm glad that they didn't just settle on just a second round pick because I just can't imagine the out 
the outrage from Falcon fans if Julio got traded for the same price as Muhammad Sanu. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're like, they're going to miss them a lot uh, this year because personally, like I think Julio is still playing like great football. I know that the the volume stats were down last year because uh, he missed so much time. But if you look at the efficiency stats, like he posted a career high in yards per target. He was second in football outsiders DVOA metric last year. So. Like when he was on the field, he was still absolutely dominating people. And now that Titans offense, yeah, they lose Arthur Smith, but uh, you have AJ Brown and Julio Jones now. And I think for that Titans team, uh, you know, you needed a kind of a second receiver now that Corey Davis off with the Jets. And oh, you know, it's Julio Jones down. And you restructure Ryan Tannehill without messing up your future cap. And I think that that's like a pretty healthy football economy that they have going on for there. So, you know, the Falcons, they're. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. They're just kind of vibing around for a year, having fun, I guess. Not as much fun as they were having a few months ago. But, uh, yeah, with the right Ridley Pitts, uh, Matt Ryan era for whatever that means for the next couple of years. So are you sitting on the beach, tears streaming down your face, pounding back drinks, watching Julio Jones highlights? Oh, yeah, I watched the... Uh, the, uh, the catch he made in the 2016 NC Championship game, uh, I basically sealed the game for him, like a 75 yard touchdown. I watched that about like six times as <laughs> the waves of sadness lapped upon my shores. <laughs> Will you be even sadder if he goes on and just is incredible next stop? Oh, no, because I'm, I'm going to be happy if he balls out because then I can just show my ass to all these people on Twitter who are saying that he's washed and that. The Falcons aren't going to miss him. What do you mean they're not going to miss him? He's the best player in franchise history. He's still one of the best receivers in the game. And I'm like, like if he doesn't get hurt, I'm expecting him to go off for like 12, 1,300 yards again. Uh, I'm interested to see how like the target split comes out with A.J. Brown. But I'm expecting him to have a good year, and I'll be happy for him when he has a good year. Because, you know, just because they traded him doesn't, you know, erase the love that I have for this man in my heart. <laughs> Uh, do you enjoy the absurdity or hate that it's so annoying that we get updates like Jordan Love completing five straight passes or Tua throwing five interceptions in a practice? Oh, I hate it now. Uh, <laughs> I hate it now. I, like, I used to be interested in that stuff, but like then I actually started covering teams, and I was like, man, like, this is just football practice. Like Some guys, <laughs> sometimes you have a, a bad day at a football practice. Sometimes you have a good day, and like, I've seen guys have terrible practices and then go on to have killer seasons. Like, you know, if I tweeted out every rep that I saw of Makai Beckton last year at Jets training camp, I'm sure that people wouldn't have been excited about him going to his But he got a lot better, and things changed now. He looks like a future beast. So, you know, it's fun, I guess, just to get some football stuff in uh, the summer. But I could tell you, like, once you've been there and watching it, it's not nearly as interesting as the tweets make you see. Like, hey, he had a bad day of practice. Let's see what happens tomorrow. Well, he is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter at 4Verts and check him out at 4TheWin. Charles, we appreciate it. Thanks, this Charles. Morning. All right, talk to you guys later. Take care. Did we bring him on just to punish him? <laughs> like, about the Falcons? He, I, just, I just asked a generic question. I wasn't expecting I was sitting on the beach watching Julio yeah. Jones highlights. He was passionate about it, throwing back a lot of drinks and uh, completely depressed about what happened. What player are you sitting on the beach watching highlights of? Kershaw? There's no highlights of that catcher Current who's, player? whose name I can never Stephen remember. Stephen Wayne Yeager? There's no, there's no, no, there no highlights, are no highlights of him. Um, 
Yeah, there are. We could find them, but uh, Kershaw. I'm on it. Kershaw. Yeah, probably. Kershaw's the answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Kershaw. Mine is I'm, probably Reggie Miller. Jose Altuve's up there, too. There's definitely Reggie Miller highlights. I saw him yesterday going into the game. I saw Reggie Miller highlights. So. Not his play-by-play highlights. His uh, actual playing career. No, highlights. not his play-by-play. No. <laughs> Nobody uh. wants to relive the play-by-play highlights. <laughs> All right, coming up next, we'll get into the other NBA games because the Western Conference Finals are already here, and the Nets are done. No more super teams. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Durant, a three-pointer straight away, short and out of bounds. Bucks ball with three-tenths of a second to play. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Do you believe the Bucks can win the title, Ed? Not if Kawhi comes back. I think the Clippers are the best team if he comes back. But I also am very weary that he's coming back yeah. at all. So doesn't doesn't sound doesn't like sound he, like is he it. on the horizon? I don't know. He's this way. I don't know if he's not on the horizon, but according to Ty Lue, he's not even in Phoenix. So <laughs> the horizon appears at this point to be LA, and that's not a good place to play when your team's playing in Phoenix. I can we get him his own bus? Yes. <laughs> I was wrong about Milwaukee. Like even without Brooklyn at full strength, I did not think the Bucks were gonna win. I thought Giannis's flaws were enough to force them out against a Kevin Durant led team. Chris Middleton was a massive key in this series. He had a couple of good. huge games and then was good again good. in game seven, but basically just having that competent perimeter player is a big difference for the Bucs. It's what the 76ers, like the 76ers are trying to get it from Seth Curry in that series against the Hawks. Like Seth Curry Wrong was their Curry. competent perimeter player. And it, it like they were trying to throw it to Joel Embiid from 15 feet and let him attack from there. And it's like, all right, that's probably not going to work in the long run. So, but if you look at the remaining teams, Milwaukee should be more talented than Atlanta. Um, although I wouldn't have thought the Hawks would have even been here. So maybe the Hawks keep doing it. But in the West, like you said, if there's no Kawhi Leonard, Milwaukee's probably better than the yes, Clippers. I think so. And the Suns are interesting. Uh, but I wouldn't, I, to me, like you said, without Kawhi back, there's mm-hmm. not a team left that I can say, oh, they are better than the Hawks. Right. That, that team doesn't exist anymore. So I think they're flawed. But all the teams left are flawed. Like, injuries have a lot to do with that, but all the teams left are flawed. So it's not like you can sit down and say, oh, yeah, the Bucks are going to play this team. They're going to be massive underdogs. Even if Kawhi comes back, the Bucks wouldn't be huge underdogs no. in the finals. They'd be underdogs, but not, like, big underdogs that team. I guess, look, the Clippers always have the ability, and they don't do it every night, obviously, to just go insane from three. So they're just kind of, that kind of yeah. equals things out for them. Like, even without Kawhi, they... They have nights where like, all right, he's not beating them because, you know, they're hitting 60% of their threes. So if they played the Bucks even without him, obviously they'd have a chance. Middleton would have to continue, I think, to score as he is because, like you said, if he's not and he's not the secondary scorer from, like, distance, then they're in trouble. Uh, so that would be interesting. Um, I don't – when it's a knee and it's him, I don't think he's coming back. I, I don't think he's coming back, which means the Clippers, just to get by Phoenix, are going to have to shoot it really well. I thought they played pretty well yesterday. They had come off two days later. The Phoenix had a rest, and I know CP3 is out, but I actually thought if I'm the Clippers walking out the court, I'm maybe feeling better than had it been a 30-point blowout, and it's like, okay, we're just tired. So if I'm the Clippers, I'm like, all right, definitely play with them, even without Kawhi. And if he would come back, they're obviously better. So, yeah, I mean, the Bucks can win it. Um, I, I still think the Clippers, though, if they can get by Phoenix, they're – they're kind of hard to handle because the way they shoot the ball. But, yeah, I mean, 
I'm sure the Bucks don't want Kawhi if they have to face them. Uh, but I certainly think the Bucks can win it now. Yeah, especially if he's out. Yeah, no Kawhi. Good chance there. Yeah. Now I'm curious, how should we view the Brooklyn Nets season? Because they put together a big three, they put together a super team, and they lost in the second round. But injuries had a lot to do with that. Kyrie Irving didn't play. James Harden was playing on a hamstring strain. Uh, they basically had one and a half of their big three available for the majority of that series. So it's like, I, I don't know how to view it because on one hand, they put together a big three. They have, like, next year, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden are under contract next year for the Nets. But then they all have a player option two years from now. So they put together this big three with a for-sure two-year window. Maybe a three-year window, but really a two-year window. So when you don't win it in one of those two years, it's a failure. But at the same time, they failed because of injuries. And you can't really, like, blame a team for losing because of injuries. So I, I don't know how to view this Buck season. Because, yeah. I mean, it's a failure. They didn't win, but, like, everybody got hurt. The wrong guy was out, though. Because I think if it's Durant and Kyrie, they've advanced. I just think he's, I mean, he's, you know, he's off-center in a lot of ways. But, uh... I think if Kyrie plays and Harden's the one completely out, then I think they win and well, they advance. I think if they have either Kyrie or Harden at 100%, they win. Okay. I think either yeah, one. I mean, he wasn't 100%. He no. played 50, didn't he? Play, he played the entire game. He played the entire game. He never, <laughs> I, think I mean, the first time he came seven, back, he was like, uh, I mean, he was never great, but he the first time he came back, he played, he was really bad and played sparingly. And like the other day, he didn't leave the court. In six and seven, I think he only came off the floor for like two minutes yeah. in the entire six game, six and seven. And the first game he came back, he was like one of 10 from the floor. Fair or not, let me ask this. I saw on Twitter. I don't, I don't know. He, this person's probably right. I, it was a tweet that said, if, you scored almost 50. You did all these things Durant said, and you missed the shot he did um, and airballed uh, air the three at the end. They said if that's LeBron, the hate and bitterness on Twitter for him taking that shot would have just been palpable, just incredible. But we with Durant, because the shot he had made before, no one said anything. Well, it's because we know LeBron can take it. Durant, we know he's going to create a bunch of burners, and then he gets really sad, and it's just like, oh, dude, all right, so we're, you're we're, a grown man. We're picking our victims based on their known yes. response. Is that what we're doing? Oh, I mean, come on, guys, don't be cruel. You know he can't take it. I'll, I'll yell I mean, you think that's true? I'll yell about Kevin Durant for a second. Into regulation, not even overtime when he airballs the three. Into regulation, the Nets' last four offensive possessions, he took a mid-range jumper. They made two of the four. He takes four threes, they win in regulation. Well, the last one wasn't really mid-range. Hey, get your foot behind the line. I mean, that's the worst he shot. On, he was on the line. Listen, we talk about like mid-range jumpers, or I talk about them being so you bad. Do. The worst shot in basketball is when your foot is on the line for a three-pointer. Because that is just as difficult as knocking down a three, but it's a two. It's the worst shot in the sport. Get back. Yeah. And, and, and did you see the story? Kevin Durant wears one shoe size higher than his actual shoe when he plays basketball because he likes the feel he of it. He likes the feel of it. If he wears his normal shoe size, they win in regulation. <laughs> Just saying. Come on, Kevin Durant. Wear the, the right bum. shoes. There's another bum.